0: it's time to enjoy with no distractions, no sudden ringtones, no talking. So sit back, relax, and switch off from the outside world.
1: introduction. Yeah, right. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to our third episode of the City Social Group. Um, as you know, I go by the name of H, we've got CT, and today we have a special guest. CT, do you want to tell our listeners all about our special guest? I'm,
0: I'm going to try my best to give him a well-deserved introduction, because he's he's a, he's a very impressive individual, whether I've told him that or not yet, um, <laughs>
2: you
0: know, he probably knows that, but on today's um, episode we have Kenner and Gomer and some of you might have seen him before um, well, I say before but he's he, he's prominent on social media, I would, I'd I'd say that um, but I think most of you will recognise him from um, last year's, well, yeah last year's Apprentice, but you could say this year because 2020 it has not been a year so <laughs> it's just been a complete mess so yeah he was on last year's Apprentice. Kenner, just, yeah. just give, him, give, him, give him give him, a little bit about yourself.
2: I <laughs> don't know where to start. Um, yeah, basically, as uh, CT said, um, I was a recent contestant on 2019's um, Apprentice series. Um, I've been a person who's always been passionate about business and just succeeding in life. And yeah, to go back to kind of, My quick story is, Mm. um, same as CT, my passion was um, kind of school and football, came through the Manchester City Academy, um, got released, ended up at Barnsley, um, got released, went to uni, uh, graduated, um, then at a time when I was still quite young, decided to kind of venture off and kind of try and launch um, my own product. And then that was kind of the idea and the products which allow me to get on to the apprentice nice and
1: so, um, um, what's the product for those who
2: know um, um alcohol infused ice cream given
0: given given the current climate and the current weather i feel like this would be a perfect time to have an alcohol infused ice cream <laughs> <laughs> because it's the-
2: perfect but the- then at the same time the um almost the climate that we're in, the coronavirus is people prioritising essentials. So you're, I get what you mean, it's perfect time. Uh, thinking, I think that's an essential. When
0: you nip to your local supermarket and you go to an alcohol section or the dessert, <laughs> everything's gone. Everything. <laughs> so people are putting alcohol-infused products before anything else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, the, you know, out of interest, does it still have the same... Does it have the effect or is it like... You know, cooking no yeah wine, definitely
2: uh, it has the same effect it, um it ranges from four, four to five percent um abv so it's still essentially okay. a cocktail
1: okay
2: nice yeah. so you're telling
1: me i can be in the queue for wireless with an ice cream get in that's the aim man <laughs> <laughs> that's the so, aim but so picture this picture this uh yeah. the virus calms down
0: we mm. managed to go to wireless and whilst queuing up wireless we have this alcohol infused product in our hands just waiting to go in i mean it's perfect, <laughs> <laughs>
1: perfect. <Yeah. laughs> so ken what inspired them you know the move to apply to the apprentice you know talk um, us can i can i just interrupt you there for one second mm-hmm.
0: so i feel like the list our listeners need to take this in because i don't think most of them <laughs> grasped it uh, when ken introduced himself you know, I just want you guys to take in the fact that he mentioned that CT was also playing football with him. So, <laughs> as, I, as I mentioned... You in, in thought your knee injury was, like, you know... Exactly. Like made up. so Maybe there's I some credibility. Exactly. So, as I mentioned in, in, in our last episode, before my knee injury, I
1: could have been the next Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> Do you attest to this, Kenner? What what do you think of his football ability? Uh, I always compare him to Sean Wright Phillips. Okay, fast, yeah, not bad. (laughs) Tricky, tricky winger. (laughs) Tricky winger. But yeah, anyway, um,
0: H, sorry, you had a question for, for Kenner there.
1: Yeah, so no, I was just interested to know...
0: What's good people? CD here. You're listening to the City Social Podcast. To get involved with this conversation log on to Twitter and search for the hashtag CSG
1: you know what what inspired you to apply to the apprentice
2: focus talk, talk through that you know that thought pattern um, basically I've been a, a fan of the show since um, 2005 when it first began and I can could- Confidently say I've watched probably 99.9% of every episode since. Yeah. And it was always a passion of mine since I graduated university. to come up with a business idea of some sort and then mm-hmm. to eventually end up on The Apprentice. And then it was just a case of um, working things out or creating a product which will nicely marry up to being able to go onto the show. So I actually applied for it in 2018 and I was unsuccessful, so I got invited to um one of the interview days, but I didn't progress far then in the the following year in twenty nineteen just every um stage I got invited back to kept going through kept going through up until they just went, yeah, um, you're one of the final contestants onto the show i think I think one thing that I've picked up from you know just the brief conversation
0: that we're currently having is the fact that, you know, the common nominator here is that, you know, given the different paths that you've taken throughout your, your journey, you know, regardless of whether you've, like you mentioned, whether you've been released or let go by a professional football club or, you know, didn't manage to go to perhaps a university where you wanted to go to or, or, or do a career where you wanted to go to, or like you just mentioned, get onto The Apprentice in 2018, which you failed to do. But the common denominator here is that you kept going regardless of obviously those setbacks. Do you think that's something that you've learned along the way? Or is that something that you know each individual is born with?
2: I think you pick it up when you were younger, whether it be it, um, through people around you or you naturally have it. I think for me, it's probably a bit of both. When I was younger, I was never someone who my parents had to um, try to motivate. I almost always used to motivate myself. Then my parents used to be like, okay, carry on with it, carry on with it, <laughs> carry on with it. <laughs> and especially, um, I think you can testify, when, when we were younger um, at City, we ended up being um, pulled out of school yeah. to train twice a week. And the only thing my dad ever said is, um, make sure your grades don't fall. but I know they won't. I'm only going to say this once. I know you won't let me down. That's it. Mm. That's all he said to me. And I went on to do quite well. Um, I think, yeah, my GCSEs were really solid. Um, And then we just carried on. But I always made sure that school, I never um, kind of faulted with my school and my um, academics because I knew in the end, realistically, I Mm. think CT knows me. I'm quite a realist person. And I knew, um, what is it? 1% of people actually become professional footballers. So (laughs) for me, in the end, I always had a backup. Then I I try to have a backup to a backup and always make sure I'm in control of the things I do. Mm. That's that's, that's
0: interesting. That's very interesting. In that that respect, then, would you say without your parents, you mentioned your father, guiding you and obviously telling you or sitting you down um, and explaining to you that, look, the stats are against you in respect to potentially making it as a professional footballer. So, you know, you still need to focus on your education. Do you think without that, without that guidance, you would have gone ahead and, you know, be successful as you are now, or do do do, do you reckon it was just a natural gift that you you was just born
2: with? Um no I think it definitely helped. Um I don't know to what percentage but it definitely kept me grounded of making sure okay let me stay focused. But like I mentioned previously I have a I have a passion for business anyway. Like I don't know how many um how old was I then? Um 10 year old around 10 year old loved the apprentice. I loved it from that age. and it was a thing of I loved creating things so ever since then I was like okay I love this show I love the business of it I love selling things I love creating new things so to me ever since I was young, I was like okay I'm going to continue with um, business studies in high school I I studied that then obviously I went to university and studied business management so it was always within me business in some sort but yeah in regards to let's say other um, subjects I made sure I always did well in them but the two things at the forefront of my mind were always like football and business. How did you come up with the idea of the alcohol infused ice? Cream? Um, it's, it's, it's a really, really... novel idea. I don't think I've you know I've, I've yet <laughs> to seen a similar product. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's really like interesting how I came about it. It was basically um it was probably around around this time three years ago I think it was now of. <laughs> I promised to take a girl out on a date and it was a case of I didn't want to be the standard, oh, <laughs> let's go for drinks. It was a case of I was like, hmm, shall we go for an ice cream somewhere, an ice cream parlor? And then it literally, one plus one equals two and I thought, hmm, how about alcohol infused ice cream? And then literally that's how the idea came. And I just carried on kind of um, at the beginning, which is funny, it was I came up with the idea and I thought, oh, I bet someone's doing it did a bit of research, not many were actually doing it. So then mm-hmm. I tried to even put, put off pursuing it, but then I just kept thinking, hmm, there's something behind this, something behind this. So in the end, I just went, okay, let me, let me, let me go with the idea and see how far I can go with it.
1: So, so does it work with all alcohols or does it have to be?
2: Oh, no, no, no. no. no my, honestly, my
1: mind is running crazy right no, now. Honestly. <laughs> Hennessy, Malibu, beer. It, <laughs> you know, oh. Talk to us about the flavors available. The, the lockdown through, is getting to you, H. It is, man. It <laughs> yeah.
2: is. I'm just thinking ice cream, alcohol, I could deal with both of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> I went through so many iterations of trying things, binning them, um, storing them for a little bit, seeing how they age. Like, honestly, probably thousands even of um trying things. So, like, I tried with beer. Beer's okay. Depends on the type of beer. Um mm gin works quite well vodka is probably the toughest one because of its oh, really? um, freezing points yeah and because it doesn't give a an actual flavor sometimes it's almost there's no point of having it um malibu really good that's that's one of my favorites yeah i can imagine rum being nice <laughs> mm. so, do you make any hennessy flavored ones <laughs> no i've never tried with hennessy <laughs> you
1: know anything <laughs> is possible man <laughs> asking the right questions for
0: the culture <laughs> um, but then, you know, would you then say, given the fact that you've, you've, you've essentially just listed you know, a, a pretty rigorous um, structure and method to get to the desired taste of a desired product, Yeah. in terms of costs, as, yeah. a, as, a, as a young entrepreneur um, or as a young professional starting off and wanting to get into the area of business and, yeah. and wanting to create products or even opening a business in terms of cost would you would you say that was something that was always in your mind or was there essentially something that you just went went along with and whatever came along you adapted or
2: it was you, it was probably yeah it definitely was, it was yeah it was definitely the adapt part of i kind of knew a budget um, but i didn't know how much it would cost and especially being so young i think i started it when i was 21 the process of creating a product it's it's one i think you you have to do it to almost get the experience. You have to learn sometimes the hard way. And that's what I've done. And then now Mm. I'm I'm at a point of where I feel quite comfortable being able to rack off a list of ticks and points and checkpoints you have to go through to create a product. And you can only do that through experience, Mm. to be honest. I think as well,
0: staying on the topic of finance um, and and, and bringing bringing in um, The Apprentice, especially when I was watching you on there. One thing that was apparent... Um, throughout all the contestants, was that most of them had great ideas. However, when it came to the maths and the finance side of things, a lot of them didn't actually do their research. And they did, well, when I say didn't do their research, what I mean by that is that they didn't really have any answers for the tough questions that Sir Alan brought forward. So in terms of business costs, whether that's rent, whether that's staff, whether that's buying products, whether that's, I don't know, just anything like that. And, and then trying to ascertain whether there'll be an actual profit within the first few months or the first few years, well, it proved fairly difficult for most of them, although their ideas were really great. So then I think the fact that you're speaking on your finances now and the fact that you found it fairly difficult and you obviously just went along with it and you couldn't actually budget correctly at the time given the fact that you were so young would you then say for anyone who's listening and wanting to start a business would you say the best thing to do is to essentially do your research
2: sit down and plan and plan 100% agree I think it's almost read around let's say your industry 100% that's that's the first thing you should do understand your product and then start creating something within your budget and within kind of what scope the industry will um, take the product in. Mm. So make sure everything, tick, tick. you can tick every box. And then nowadays, we're in an era of where, as an entrepreneur, you don't have to actually own certain things. So for me, at the beginning, my plan was to create everything. So rent a kitchen out and start creating things. I iterated a few moments in, I was like, this isn't going to work on a mass scale. Mm. Let me try and find a manufacturer. And that 100%, I I could have saved, I think, potentially thousands Mm -hmm. if I thought of that beforehand. But now I've got the experience and I I almost learned the hard way, but that's fine. Life's about learning and I always say that whether it's good um, or negative, life's all about learning. And I think for me, I highly recommend exploring as many different avenues of how to create a product or how to launch a business. That's very true. That's some sol- That's some solid advice. I was mm-hmm. taking. I was taking notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so, so kind of just uh, you know out of interest. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to know how you know how you find the whole process of the apprentice, and especially with regard. So you know, my partner is a business student, and yep. she used to always argue that the whole premise, you know, of, of the show up until about the end, is more entertainment factor, and then at the end, the merits of your business are considered so you know a how do you find the process and do you think there's any weight to that do you think it's a show that's more tailored to entertainment and out there and then merits are considered or do you think the merits of the business are have
2: to be strong throughout um it's a funny one of where i've got so many different responses to everything but i'll give you my overall take on it i think to even get onto the show one, you have to have a personality. So I think that's probably top of um, the director's list of people, being able to come across well on TV and being um, a lively character, essentially. Then two, it's your actual business idea and understanding business because some of the um, tests you do throughout the, the process is being adaptable, is being business savvy and is understanding um Mm. have to adapt quite quickly so Mm. it's kind of a combination of everything but i think then once onto the show your your partner's probably right is it's it's kind of a mixture of how well you do on the task, um what plans they have for future tasks there's there's so many different things it could be so Mm. i I don't have the actual answers but i've got my own theory on things Mm. And how scary was it being in the boardroom? Because I uh, I look at it, I,
1: even watching it, the tension <laughs> gets through the TV. So you know, I'm just
2: curious whether when you're actually there, whether the tension honestly, is equally there. Uh, honestly, you can... So having watched the show, to, the first time we got onto the set of where mm. um, the boardroom actually is, it was so surreal of where you're like, I've seen this for the last, whatever, 14 years, and finally here. <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. And we yeah. actually meet Lord Sugar for the first time, like straight, straight away when we enter the boardroom and you're like, wow, this guy's literally like whatever, five yards in front of me. And it is honestly like pressure. And, and CT can testify. I'm, I'm, pers- I'm a person who's quite, um, I, I don't think I, I get pressured a lot or I don't feel pressure but even then I was sweating my hands were clamming up (laughs) but you just try and act so calm (laughs)
1: yeah
0: but but I think was it was it the first episode where it was all kicking off and um and I think you got into like a little alteration with uh, one of the candidates I can't quite remember whether it was the first episode was the first episode when you went to South Africa or my yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, that was pretty funny because I was watching it and I was thinking, he's not gonna let this go. They're not gonna they're <laughs> not gonna put this on him, there's no chance. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 kind of strange that you not strange, but it's a great insight that, that you just you've just given us there because I think watching um as a as a as a viewer, it's it it looked very intense anyway. But then you start to wonder whether I think like Hage mentioned, whether it's all about the entertainment
2: yeah 100 there is there's like ulterior motives of where they'll set tasks in a way of almost it's hard for you to succeed more than making a mistake and i probably having watched it so much of where i used to think oh my god how are people making that mistakes then you get onto the show and you're like now i understand <laughs>
1: but in a way i think it's needed for the general masses because you know if you have for example, you know, I'm thinking of Dragon's Den. I personally love Dragon's Den, but yeah. it will never translate on that same wide scale level that yeah. The Apprentice yeah. does because it's, it's just pure business. You need yeah. some entertainment in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose there is that juggling of you know, showing your merits but also being entertaining.
2: And you know what's funny of where uh, it is a reality TV show because in the end, yeah. there's the products we create in like two days it mm. takes in normal life, six months to create s- those sort of products of where yeah. you do research. You have no time to do market research. Your market research could be for, for 15 minutes whilst it should take two, three months. Mm. And then, so when you when
1: you're filming, uh, yeah. because you know, when, when we're watching it, we never have a true scale of the time that it's taken. You know, we, yeah. we appreciate that it's edited and released to us in weekly increments, yeah. but it, you know, in terms of actually filming, do you get to the house and film it all in the space of a week or a month?
2: Oh no, like uh, two, three days. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. A task, a task is either one, two, or three days. So even South Africa, you see, in South Africa, I think it was a uh, an hour and a half special. I was in Afri- South Africa for basically two and a half days. <laughs> so you, you you didn't get much time to explore or do anything. N- none at all. Literally, I think we flew out. <laughs> We flew out Sunday morning, Uh, we arrived in South Africa, uh, whatever, I think it was like eight at night, slept, started filming for the first task on the Monday, filmed the second day on the Tuesday, and then Tuesday night, we flew back to London, and we arrived in London for eight, six a.m. on the Wednesday, and then straight into the boardroom. So we're in the boardroom for like 10 in the morning. Love I mean it. at least you at least you got to see the big five. So it's Yo, yeah. That's <laughs> <what was> it. <laughs> so,
0: I don't think we really actually, actually managed to, to spot all the big five. No, I think we've yeah. seen three. I think
1: we've seen three. Pushing it. It was yeah. pushing it free, but <laughs> <laughs> just to finish it, I just wanted to know, just you know, keeping in the theme, how has life changed for you since y- you went on that show? And you know, whether you would advise that for Perspective, you know entrepreneurs out there uh yeah so just your your experience of how life's changed since then
2: um i think definitely i can have i can have better conversations with people in regards to me full stop so mm. i remember at the time I, I tried to have conversations with um ocado but they didn't accept anything and then afterwards i managed to have a conversation with them so now i can speak to um, major supermarkets i've had conversations with them and i can speak to let's say, more experienced um, entrepreneurs for support um, to get guidance and they'll listen. So that's been a massive, massive help. So even now yeah. I'm working on creating another product which I think will have more success, but that's thanks to also getting help from other people. So now I've actually got the experience of creating a product, but now I'm even getting support from people who have more experience than me. So yeah, right. it's definitely right. changed change right. for the better. Price tag, price yeah. tag gone up.
0: So, so <laughs> the price tag the price tag, the price tag's gone up. People people and I think I think that's the beauty of it as well. I think you know getting yourself on the apprentice, however difficult it is, is it's a fantastic opportunity because it does open doors to corporations like you mentioned who perhaps may not have looked your way prior to the apprentice, but given the fact that you've managed to get on the apprentice and you've managed to put a good account of yourself out there, these guys are now willing to, to sit down with you and discuss business.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah. that's
0: the beauty of networking. And I think as well, any, any entrepreneurs out there or any business savvy people out there need to realize that getting your face out there and getting your product out there. And needs, shaking hands. Exactly. And meeting people, um, whether that's through LinkedIn, whether that's going to networking events, whether that's going to presentations, workshops, will allow you to build your brand. And I think because you know, as Ken has just said, coming off the Apprentice, he's managed to obviously build on, and obviously now he's he's, he's in the process of creating a new product. Um, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. So I think if you do take something away from that, is that you know you do go ahead, get yourself out there, network, get your brand out there, get your name out there, and make it work. I guess. Hundred percent. Um. So then, if we if we just move on to what I think myself and H wanted to, to discuss um, today, it, it was just a general conversation in respect to well, I say general conversation. The question is, as a young professional, do you need to relocate to London in order to make it within? Your desired sector, or in order to attract further opportunities now, the reason I wanted to we, the reason we wanted to ask you this question is because you obviously do not live in London, you live outside of London, but yeah. you're still successful within your field so then yeah, the question is what do you what, what, what do you say about that do you, do you think young professionals or graduates or anyone out there um, thinking of making a move to London do you think it's actually needed or do you think it's been exaggerated by perhaps the media or perhaps just recruiters I guess
2: <laughs> so for me it's it, it's it's a, it's a great question of where if, when I was graduating and when I started looking for graduate jobs immediately I was always looking for London jobs that's why I wanted to be because of the fact everywhere you read and Everywhere you try to apply for the roles you want, which are perfect, we're in London. So I actually lived in London for a year then moved back up to Manchester. And honestly, over the past, since graduating and since doing everything that I've done, I think it's exaggerated. It does depend on the sector. So some sectors, I think it is needed to be within London. But I'd say a majority of sectors, you do not have to be in London. And I think it's... (laughs) you can be in manchester now for me it is the second city like it's the second best city in terms of let's say economy or um graduate roles or working roles full stop so i don't have to be in london to be successful in what i do and i think most people don't have to be in london to do what they do and i think you're you're kind of you're
0: in a perfect position to to speak on this because, like you just mentioned, you actually lived in London before, be, be, even before I moved to London.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, that, so you actually lived in London, you, you've yeah. done the London life, and obviously, I guess, you know, you, you made a decision that actually I can achieve the things that I want to achieve out of London, outside yeah, yeah. of this massive bubble, um, and, and,
1: and still be successful within, within my career. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, so you, you now live in Manchester, and that's your your main base but yeah i just wanted to kind of match that with your business model to see whether is your main business model online or do you have a store in manchester
2: no it's gonna be online everything's online now and it's that's why if anything to be in london is to shake hands and to create networks but i don't have to be situated in london you can mm-hmm. host, you can do so many different things outside of London without having to live in London. Um, I think both of you can testify. I've worked with, um, I worked in a company of where it ho- opened up a another, um, what's the right word, um, headquarters in London. And there's people mm. commuting between Manchester and London. You can travel now within two hours. That's I've it. done, <laughs> in a... In a In a day of traveling, I can um, drive to my current place of work where I'm based on the other side of Manchester. Sometimes it takes me two hours to drive 20 miles Mm. and people can travel between Manchester and um, (laughs) London in that time. So (laughs) it's it's crazy.
1: And I think it's interesting as well because, you know, me and CT made that move down to London. You know, him from Manchester, uh, me from rugby in the Midlands. Uh, because of that need to to have proximity to the to the base, but just linking to what you said, I think even in the post-corona world, where you know everything is mm. on, everything is on, you know people people having video conferences, I, I, I would agree with you to a certain extent that London is no longer a necessity. Well, that proximity to London is no longer a necessity as everything can be hosted virtually.
2: And then it's crazy of Corona how. I think more than anything, it's going to change how businesses do business and how mm. businesses operate. Because now you can start thinking about all, all these companies of where they were opening up or e- e- enlarging their their offices. They don't need to. Mm. People have shown they're able to work from home and be productive. So mm. companies can start saving money on office space, um, etc. by being able to operate um, virtually, mm. and linking
1: on to that, do you? It has you know the emergence of coronavirus, the lockdown, and the future ahead of us. Has that in any way kind of affected
2: your business model in in any way? Um, not not me. Pers- it's more. It's been a hindrance in terms of doing business just because mm. our, our manufacturer, it's they can't do what they were before. They mm. can't um, scale up. As quickly as they were before, so I think more will will kind of adapt and see what it's like post-corona. But in terms of let's say um, my full-time role as well, I work as a project manager. It's it's business as usual, so guys, I can do guys,
0: anything. Are you guys listening? Are you listening to this to this guy? He,
1: he, biz- Where do you get the time from? He's got <laughs> he's got a business.
0: He's got a business, and he's also a project manager.
1: Like. <laughs> You
0: need to take it in, you know? And I think (laughs) when people are sitting at home and saying they don't have time to do this, they don't have time to do that, there's people out there who are juggling essentially two careers. Mm. Um, And I think one thing I want to add is that if you're a budding entrepreneur and you you want to create a business, I think personally anyway, um, one advice that I would give is that have something solid there
1: mm.
0: and then in the background try and work hustle awesome. awesome. exactly do that research in the background and fund
1: that business the passion the hobby that you have uh, yeah because it's almost a misconception that you know if you want to be an entrepreneur you've got to immediately jump off the cliff and i think that's what scares a lot of people you know it, it, it's interesting here in uh, Because it you know it it makes you realise that you can gradually ease in with what you're doing and give yourself that leniency. It's not the big scary cliff
2: that TV makes it out to be, where you jump off and it's just you. And I I think yeah, yeah. everyone will have kind of their own journey of when they let's say need to jump off, or but you have to be smart with it, 100%. Like CT said, of where it's making sure everything's ticked off and you're ready for it. Or you might never need to like some co- some some people are able to create good co- businesses alongside a full-time job <laughs>
1: that,
2: that's true but in in those instances it's usually
0: people who find an answer to a problem if you if, if your business is answering a problem or it's fi- it, it, it fills in a need that society society requires then your business overnight could just boom and you can quit your job yep. then but i'm talking about people who have a hobby who have a passion for their business and obviously there's maybe a large market out there or a small market out there so in order for you to break into those markets you still need to do some work uh, Yeah, and it's not going to happen overnight so the myth that uh, well let me not use the word myth the idea that a 95 will not make you a millionaire and that being an entrepreneur will it's kind of correct however what i would say is that a 95 could also help you and make things a lot quicker in terms of you getting to the top in your business so you also that, that's fact. To do that.
1: yeah um, so so what advice would you have for any budding entrepreneurs who may be listening in you know i think you've already touched on some of them uh, and ct has uh, helpfully you know in terms of having a backup etc uh, having the finances looking at you know doing the proper due diligence uh, but
2: is there any other advice you'd give to our listeners out there um i always i think probably latching on to what ct said of where it's creating time Everyone has the same 24 hours as as everyone knows, but you have to create time to do everything. And I'm one who likes to do almost my business stuff in the morning. Then I can get on with other things, almost get things done out of the way, nice and early, Mm. and then continue. Or like today of where I say, today's been a lovely day. I'm going to do everything at night today. So <laughs> it, it's just all about knowing when you can do things and what needs to be done. But yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. And do you have any tips on that time management?
1: So do you, you know, do you use any sort of time management apps? Because I know for me, it's, you know, it, it's something I, I struggle with trying to maintain, maintain the work with the social or trying to do any sort of business ideas in the background. It, are there any tips you have on that time management?
2: Um, it's more for me I do like a to-do list and it's a case of right I know I'll try to space out how long I think things will take and then I identify okay I'll do this let's say between 10 and 12 or I'll do this at night and that's how I kind of it's it's a good way for me to plan my own day so I always know Mm. what I need to do I'm a person who likes to be busy like I hate you'll rarely find me let's say not doing anything Mm. even when I'm let's say watching TV or watching football which I count that as my leisure I'm also on my laptop doing something else so I'm always trying to multitask and do two things at once
0: Yeah, I think for, for me personally in terms of trying to stay focused I used to have an app but I kind of deleted it because it just defeated the purpose of staying focused because then I was counting on the app to let me know when to focus and when not to focus so I'm kind of like hang on, this, I'm
1: losing focus picking up my phone to check out <laughs> um, so, so it's when you get whatsapps coming through or yeah, messages, and next thing of, you know an hour has gone by so it's
0: <laughs> exactly so I think what I decided to do was that during crunch time, during, <laughs> when I say crunch time, is during uh, business days
1: when, where,
0: when deadlines need to be hit. Yes, when deadlines need to be hit and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of counting on you and eyes are on you, and you know, you, you've you got your part to play here. You can't just send an email out and give yourself a pat on the back. You've got your part to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, tend to, I tend to delete apps that I focus on too much. So, for example, your Instagram, your Twitter, I tend to delete them. And, and then yeah i just i tended to leave the apps off my phone and just put my phone on silence and i i can literally just focus for the next six or seven hours without moving and i know that's weird but that's just one thing that.
2: Yeah, I, but to be honest that's a, that's a good tactic of where sometimes i'll purposely put my phone upstairs so i know if i want to access my phone it's it's almost as a barrier of where i have to get up go upstairs and it's never that important anyway so i'll be like no, I'll continue doing my work. Once I get this done, then I'll do it. So just creating little barriers to to help you stay productive. Yeah, because mm. the the amount of time that we spend on our phones
0: are ridiculous. I mean, I'm not sure whether you guys have an iPhone, but uh, mm. you know, every week, iPhone tells me how long I've spent wasting
1: on certain yeah. apps. And I like. I mean, like during I, lockdown, I've stopped looking at it. It's it's bad vibes. I just. <laughs> I, I don't need to see that negativity.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I spent eight hours on YouTube doing what? <laughs> What's that about? Yeah, I, I never used to go on YouTube as well. So, yeah, I think finding finding a focus, finding something that works for you, especially during these times, is essential. Uh, whether that's you know, you doing your, your, your nine to five, whether that's you working on your business, whether that's, whether that's you sitting there and trying to come up with a business, you know, you need to find your niche in respect to mm-hmm. how you like working and, and, um, what you should do to, to, to essentially be productive. So then I've got another question, actually. This, this is for, this is for everyone. This is for everyone, not just not just our guests. This is for for, for everyone. Um, so, picking up on the fact that you mentioned um, being in London is in this day and age is not crucial, right? What would you then say to to people who are currently working to get within a sector in which, in order to I'm going to use the word successful. In order to be successful in sets in in, in in such sectors, you will essentially need to make a move down to London. Would you? Would you? What, what What would you say to those people? Would you say go ahead and do that, or alternatively consider other places? Because uh, because the, the reason I, I, I use the word successful is because successful is very subjective, and success depends on what. <laughs> it depends on what an, an individual class is success. So do, do, do you know what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah, so I, I think this is a good question because I've known you for so long and I know we both have probably a similar um, judgment of success. So to me, I think if you're talking, let's say, let's talk law, law to be successful. The success is a million dollars, a million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I think you have to move to London. I think there's 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 not many other things you could do other than move to London and work at one of the magic circle firms. That's, that's to me, I'd count that as success. And there's not many ways around it. If you manage to find a way around it of where, let's say, for example, you can work from home or you they, they've got uh, offices in Manchester, in Birmingham, in Newcastle, etc. fine. But most likely, and most of the job roles will be in London. So I think you've almost got to do what your sector counts as important or counts as being successful like for example another sector is banking mm. a large majority of the high paying banking roles are in london so if mm. that's the area you want to be in you have to go to london because that's where most of let's say uh, the business is
1: mm.
0: but when
2: i thought i well,
0: i thought post post brexit they were going to spread everything that's what I thought. But perhaps they're still going to do that in terms of trying to make it more divided in terms of opportunities so that people will not have to rush to London to, again, succeed in these sectors. But that's for another day. That's for another discussion.
1: Let me <laughs> let me week <laughs> before I get in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> See, personally, I agree. I actually do agree with Ken and Also, it's it, industry-specific. To a certain degree but you know linking to my earlier point that i made you know in the post corona world where FaceTime isn't as much of a thing you know i think you will end up with a decentralized economy yeah. and you know they, they, there's loads of other factors that would lead me to indicate that perhaps it's unless you absolutely need to for your industry you shouldn't move you know transport lines are being uh, everyday increased you know kind was speaking about how quickly you can get from manchester to london you know there's hs2 coming but I would also say, I think too much attention is given to the positives of moving to London and not mm. enough about the negatives. Mm. So, you know, I mean, this city, you probably attested to this, having moved from Manchester, it, everything seems to just double up, triple up in price <laughs> when you move to yeah, London. I feel like London, you breathe and that's £10 out of your wallet. That's true. <laughs> that's true. And I
0: think, a lo- I think a lot of people need to consider those factors. Look, unless you have... Family down in London, and you can mm. happily live with them and avoid paying rent. That's but a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver, yeah. but I think as a as a as a as a young professional or a graduate or someone who is actually aspiring to go to London, um, sometimes people want a bit of freedom. Mm. So they don't want to be living with a family friend or some someone like that, or, or even family for that matter. So then they decide to move out. But I think. Personally, what I would say about that is that you know just sit down and think about it logically Mm. um, before you make that move. Because as H picked up on it, living in in London is extremely expensive, Mm. Um, and that goes from rent to food to clothing to your council tax (laughs) to.
2: I used to think people used to. I used to think people almost, um, it was a lie that London was that expensive. But as soon as I touched down within a week, I realized that that was n- not a lie. Like <laughs> literally everything you do, like you said, you breathe and you're like, yeah, £10, please. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I have friends who've moved down
1: here and, you know, they're pay- paying close to £1,000 a month for... A studio where the toilets next to the kitchen and the living room and you're just like you know some harry potter room did you guys ever watch harry potter you know that that cupboard they that had growing up <laughs> yes. so it is, yes. yeah the there, it is that element, yeah <laughs> but it, it, it's also the you know it's also the fact that it is a huge sacrifice as ct said unless you've got family here there is that social decision as well where you're moving from most of the people you grew up with you know family friends etc so even though it's good for the money I think it's you know a lot of consideration needs to be given to that you know yeah. whether you're going to stay or go there and you know it can it could always be a transitional point I think personally for myself once I've established myself and reached a senior enough level I wouldn't mind moving out of London with the credibility that London has given me mm. but that's very industry specific so there's there's a lot of factors yeah. involved and
0: I, and I think I think as well alternatively you yeah. know, if you if if you do then if you do decide to move to London and you happen to experience it for a year two years three years or and, and and so forth and you realize that hang on I'm going broke here no no I'm joking I'm joking but you quickly you know you quickly realize that you know this is actually difficult or not difficult but you know you can you can do this type of work and gain a similar amount of of salary elsewhere, then I think you can perfectly move out of London. It's not a be all end all. And I think, you know, as we discussed earlier on in the podcast, as Ken mentioned, he lived in London, he experienced life in London, he worked here and he obviously came to, Well, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I assume he came to a decision that actually he could achieve a similar life and, you know, achieve similar success by moving back, home to manchester yeah yeah you know and, and it's worked out for him so i think there's a lot of people in london that you know we walk past every day who are suffering financially because they're just trying to keep up
2: it's crazy of where like you said the the place where i lived that was uh, an upstairs what is it um what's the right word a n terrace house upstairs there was four rooms and i lived in one of those rooms and i was paying i think 550 a month in zone four they bumped you. They bumped you. That's crazy. <laughs> 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 no, but then zone four. I also at the same time, yeah, zone four. But I knew students living in was it Westminster paying a thousand pound a month as a student, and I was like, that is crazy, crazy.
1: I mean, my first
2: weekend in in London,
1: you know, I had I had a few friends who were like, oh, we're just gonna go to this low key, you know, club in Shoreditch. Uh, walked in there. 20 pound entry to get in and bear in mind this wasn't even a, a high class club this was some dodgy club cargo in the back it really dark 20 pounds to get in that's the moment when i knew this place is not for everyone <laughs> it's dodgy, really. and, and, and it's it's so humbling totally like, when you, you go see everyone complaint. paying it with no complaint and you're like,
0: yeah. <laughs> what? So, like i'm looking at these people like is, there, is everything okay like are you are we doing this are you paying in West money? End? What's going on, man? <laughs> and 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 it's kind of humbling, It's kind of humbling because you know you can't. Everything's just double, and it's ridiculous. But then when you when you go back home or whatever you came from, <laughs> when, when I say home, I mean Manchester. When you go back to Manchester or you you visit places like Liverpool, and it's your time to perhaps get rounds, and then for like four drinks, it comes up to like twenty five pounds, or I don't know just under 30 quid, you're like, thank you.
2: Honestly, honestly, I always tell this one story of where I went um, with a group of friends to clap them and it was my turn to get the rounds in and the round came up to 105 pounds. I paid it and then I drank my drink and then went home. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> one round cost me over a hundred pounds and that's the day I realized I went, yeah, yeah, this is crazy.
1: See, that's when you need to pull out the Kevin Hart special. Like, you know, I've got a checking account, but the way my bank account sells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's frightening. Every time I go back to rugby, I always end up so much more drunker than I planned to be. <laughs> But yeah. it'll be interesting to hear from, you know, our, our viewers who may be listening, uh, whether you think the move to London is necessary or whether you think it's, you know, it's fine to remain where you are make a name for yourself where you are. If you already live in London, and
0: you've already be you, you you moved from a different era to, to London and you currently work in London, you know, also email us, um, send us a tweet and just give us your perspective on life at the moment. Um, alternatively as well, if you worked in London and then you made a move out of London, you know, how how, how is life treating you? Also, you know, we'll be be happy to, to hear from you. Do you do you wanna round up, Paige? Or should I should I should I should Yeah,
1: I? so I mean, first of all, thank you, Kenna, for coming on as our first guest. You've got the honour of coming on as our first guest. <laughs> but, you know, for, for those that may be listening, who may be tempted by the idea of a Bacardi vanilla or Malibu and what I assume is <laughs> chocolate ice cream, you know, just let them know. Do, is, is there a website yet? Is this something that's going to be available soon?
2: You can find me first on Kenangoma on instagram and on twitter so K E W N A N G O M A, and then my links to my business is on my, both my profile so vermont desserts so b-e-a-u-m-o-n-d-e desserts and everything
0: everything will, will, will obviously be within the description of this episode yeah. so if you can't remember anything that we said you know just have a look in the description and the twitter handles and everything else will be there uh but, yeah, again, thank you very much, Kenneth, for coming on today. Thank you very much, and, guys. And giving us your story. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure in the future we'll have you back on here. And hopefully with your second product or business, you know, you'll be able to talk us through it. And hopefully it'll be, it'll be a million dollar. It'll be a million dollar by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, can oh, we can all, all be drinking, drinking champagne.